Welcome to the Psychosphere. My name is David Sutcliffe, and my guest today is Mark Weeb. Mark is a fellow core energetics practitioner. He's also an old friend. We've done a lot of work together, know each other really well. So it was great to uh, sit down with him and get his thoughts on what's going on with the truckers because he's in Canada. So he's experiencing it up close. Uh, We also talk about uh, COVID and the restrictions and talk about Bitcoin. Mark's a big Bitcoin guy, and we go deep. He goes deep. And uh, I don't know if you're into Bitcoin, but you should be, or you should at least be curious about it because it's a revolutionary technology. And uh, Mark speaks on it very interestingly. And as usual with this podcast, we go into the... uh, emotional undercurrents of everything. We talk a lot about shadow emotions and uh, some of the unconscious material that may be motivating the uh, events that are going on in the world. Please enjoy this episode of The Psychosphere with Mark Weeb. I mean, what the fuck is going on in Canada? We got the truckers. What what is happening? You're you're in Canada. You're in Toronto. Describe the scene. Well, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm under three feet of snow today, so I don't even know what the scene is. I can barely look outside my window. Three how's feet. Your, of how's snow? your weather? How's your weather, brother? We no, we're we're in a cold spell here in Austin, Texas. You know, last year they had the uh, snowpocalypse. I don't know what they called it. Yeah, yeah. But they they didn't know how to handle it um pipes were freezing and people lost their <laughs> yeah. minds i mean it was it was i shouldn't laugh i shouldn't laugh but yeah, no, yeah. it was it was it's funny but it also you know it, it was it was bad for people and i think power went out for three four days and it was a it was a disaster so everybody was afraid that this was going to be a repeat but it's just you know we got some cold weather we got some i don't know if it's snow but some freezing rain icy this morning there were icicles if you can imagine oh, really? Texas, okay yeah. so I, I was waiting for you to say oh it's balmy and you know make fun of me whatever but no there actually is some winter in texas yeah it's it doesn't get real cold i mean today is cold there's i mean it gets below zero at night but uh it's i think generally through winter it's you know you get some days in the 60s 50s 40s it's not real cold but uh Look at this, a cu- couple, couple Canadians talking about the weather here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you're under three feet of snow. Yeah, That's I know. Exciting. It's brutal. Yeah. Well, yeah, this is the second go round of three feet of snow. Like everything, well, pretty much everything shuts down. Like you can't, you can't operate. Yeah. But it's crazy. Yeah. I love the yeah. snow. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know what? I like it when it's full on, you know, this yeah. sort of mid- middle of the road sort of winter stuff is a bit annoying. And, you know, I think I'd prefer to have tons of sun but yeah when it's full-on winter like this it's like undeniable it's just in your face but the truckers yeah the truckers come on the honk heard around the world (laughs) the honk heard well this was the thing you know there was some uh it seemed to me like australia and canada were uh, the most strict and uh the the population seemed the most compliant and the least amount of pushback. Although I was talking to plenty of people, plenty of people that I know in Canada uh, don't like it. They're upset, Uh, you know, and lots of people who, who got the vaccine, but they're not for the mandates. And, you know, I'm just hearing horror stories and the attitude that uh, 
Trudeau has towards anybody who disagrees with him or has an alternative point of view or push, pushes back. It's just unbelievable condescension. And I think that's what they're protesting as much as anything. I mean, just, it just it's just nonstop. You guys are bad. If you don't agree with us, if you don't want to get the vaccine, he, he's otherizing. It seems incredibly dangerous to me. And so I think people just had enough. It's like, fuck you. Fuck your attitude. And we're not going to be controlled. You're not our daddy. What the fuck do these guys, who do they think they are? Yeah. I mean, you know, listen, I understand it's a pandemic and I understand the other side's argument, but at the end of the day, I mean, you can't, it's again, I mean, you, I guess you can mandate vaccines, but I'm not for it, but it's again, it's the attitude and, and it so much has been proven wrong. So much of what they said has turned out to be false. So it, it seems rational that we would be questioning them. And I don't know what's underneath the motivations and we could dive into that. Yeah, let's. I mean, I think we don't have to go fucking, there right away, but we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. There's some dark shit happening. I think I can feel it. You know, you just feel it in the energy. It's like, there's something weird going on but what's you know you're in toronto you're you're living in canada what's what are you hearing what are people saying well actually we got out uh, as soon as everything sort of started we got out of toronto so we're just outside of toronto like 45 minutes outside of toronto oh right where are you st Catharines. you're dude i went to high school in st Catharines. no way for more than a stretch i was i was in st Catharines for uh moved there for grade seven I lived in Grimsby, grew up in Grimsby. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which is just, you know, 30 minutes down the yeah. road, a smaller town. And and then, yeah, moved to St. Catharines, went to Dennis Morris High School. And uh, yeah, there from grade seven to 13 uh, before I moved to Toronto for to go oh, to U of T. Wow. And then I just wow. stayed in Toronto. Oh, so you, yeah. know, you know this joint. Yeah, St. Catharines is great. Cool. Um, yeah, so we, we, we bounced out... Um, you know, I, I was the I was the guy I was the guy with the goggles and the hazmat going to get my groceries when this first er, when the early whisperings happened. That you was the me. goggles. Literally, you had goggles. Oh yeah, absolutely. When 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 the question marks were still flying around, I was like, I, I, I'm I'm pulling no punches here. I scared right. the shit shit out of some people like in February in grocery stores. Well, fair was, enough. We didn't know, and you got a kid, so you know, got to protect yeah, no, yourself. Absolutely. You know, my survival instincts just you know, hit hard right away. But then slowly, 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 you know, um, well, it's been a, it's been an evolution for sure. I mean, I, like I said before, yeah, I mean, I didn't say you said it, but but like I have a kid. And so th- there was the survival instinct that, you know, kept me cautious you know, mm-hmm. about everything and just biding time. And, and you know, but now. You know, not that I'm not that I'm in denial of, you know, everything that's happened. Tons has happened, but there's a bit of a veil that's been lifted. And uh, yeah. And, um, you know, it's um, I mean, it's a big rabbit hole to start into. But I definitely I'm definitely not wearing the hazmat suit. get my groceries, you know. When was your uh, red pill moment, so to speak? Was there like something that happened that woke you up to? uh to all of well, us? well, no, I'm not, not, not anything in particular. I mean, it, you know, I, every whiff that I got that just didn't sit right, right, sort of compounded and compounded. But where I started to get um, more upset was when 
the mandates started to come. Right. And, and that's when I went from being, you know, this, this too shall pass and we're going through something and, you know, it's a societal thing and whatever. And then as the mandate started to come, I was like, okay, um, we're, we're getting more lost in a way that's, that's unsettling for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I started to just feel more about what was going on. And, um, you know, there's a part of me now that feels like we're coming out of it. There's, there's, you know, there's some things happening. There's countries making different decisions. And, um, I think, you know, a lot of people are waking up and, um, yeah, I mean, lots is happening, but so it's, it feels different now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I mean, come on, when, when it comes to, you know, when it comes to Canadian quote unquote leadership, I mean, it's pathetic at best, you know, yeah. like, and again, I've got, I could, I could pop off, you know, I could pop off on this, but I also know that, well, I don't know, you know, we have histories in, 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 in the human thing. And so, you know, I have, and also have this, you know, compassionate thing about, you know, I think anyone maybe put in that position who isn't really, you know, aware or awake to themselves and their own, their own independence, their own, you know, their own feeling of themselves. Yeah. You put, put them in that position and have put a bunch of people around them telling them that, you know, what they think and yes, yes, yes. You know, I think stupidity will grab just about everyone, you know, if, yeah. if you, if you're not actually grounded in your, your, your own humanness. Um, so I'm not surprised, you know, I'm not surprised it, it to me, it's reprehensible. You know, right. this idea of mandates is utterly reprehensible to me. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm not, I'm not really surprised when I see the moronic sort of. Well, it's just, it, it's what it is. I mean, it's exactly what you said. I mean, you, you, you read a history book or, or two and you, you realize this is the pattern. And uh, you can see very clearly that Trudeau is in over his head. He's terrified. And I feel for him there. Like, I feel for how scared he must be. Now, he's obviously not in touch with that fear. I wish he was, because if he could feel that fear and come into contact with it, then maybe uh, he would make better decisions. But when, yeah, when you're making decisions based on fear, your own fear, and also the fear that's coming at you, all the people talking to you, and you don't want to, you don't want to get people killed. I mean, look what happened to Trump when he was like, oh, you know, let's let's be positive about this. <laughs> you know, we're going to get through this. Any attitude that is not uh, screaming, we're all going to fucking die. Seems people seem to uh, think that you are uh, underplaying it and that that's just not allowed. We have to take this seriously. And and again, I, I do understand that. But uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of shadow material. I mean, if you oh, know, my gosh. All, you know, all the way up in the. Uh, perspective uh that's what i see playing out it's just a lot of disowned shadow yeah. people who don't exactly what you said that don't understand themselves they're not they don't know how to feel they're not integrated with themselves and they probably don't understand th their own uh, that what what is fear going to do if you're afraid you want to control that's what i do when i'm afraid my natural tendency is to want to control my environment so i don't have to feel my fear yeah and that's what we're doing. And that's no solution. And then when you have the specter of death, uh, you can rationalize doing almost anything to control your own fear because people are going to die. I'm going to die. 
And that's what I see happening. And it's extremely dangerous. And then there's always the, the demonization that goes along with it. You have to make somebody the enemy. And that's what they're doing, whether it's the uh, unvaccinated. It's a pandemic of the unvaccinated, which is complete bullshit. Yeah. And uh, like I said, just the otherizing and, and now, you know, changing the definition of anti-vax to include people who are against mandates. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. So then you can just call all the truckers anti-vaxxers, even though I think most of those truckers, truckers are probably fucking vaccinated. Yeah, 90% just against, of, of truckers are vaccinated. Right. Just, you know, so what are they protesting? They're protesting the mandates, which yeah. is completely reasonable. So it's, you know, that's that's the thing that that scares me the most, because once somebody otherizes you, makes you an enemy and, they're, you know, I hear I don't know what you're seeing and I probably have some selection bias. There's some people I'm following, uh, you know, social media, Canadian journalists. And, and it, it, as far as they're concerned, this is a white supremacist uprising. Like that's yeah. the narrative that they're creating. You're just like, dude, you know, and the Nazi flag that was there. It's like, OK, it's an open insurgency. It's not controlled. And of course, you're going to have some fucking yahoos showing up to make sure who the fuck knows, you know, what that actually is. But uh, to characterize an entire movement based on a, a couple of bad apples in the crowd who are probably just fucking crazy and there to make trouble. It's insane. It's it's an easy target. And it's a way that they don't have to talk about uh, the mandates, which I think they're starting to understand. It's a losing issue. Like just what you said. England, England is opening up. Countries around the world are opening up. The mandates got shut down here in America and they can see the writing on the wall. And, you know, they're, they're trying to I guess they're trying to figure out a way to get out of it. And they're panicking. And, and, and you know, you know, and who knows what other fucking globalist goddamn agendas are going on? I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but there's some shit is going on that we don't know. We don't know where this fucking thing came from, came from a lab. Apparently, that's where all the evidence points. And they covered, they covered it up. They covered it up yeah. and told any, anybody who uh, mentioned it early on was a conspiracy theorist. So it's just a feeling when you, when you feel like you're being lied to and gaslit over and over again, condescended to treated like a child, eventually you're just going to push back and say, go fuck yourself. And that's what's happening. Yeah. I think. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally echo that. Um, and uh I mean, there's so many, there's so many threads to pull on here, you know, yeah. like there, there just is, especially with like the background that, you know, we have in this, you know, in this healing world, it's like, if, if you really just sit and feel into, you know, feel into like people with power, you know, yeah. political, political power, corporate power, if you really, you know, try to feel into that, like, what is that like? What is that you know, like you said, the shadow stuff, like, you know, it's wild, you know, just, just to allow yourself to sort of empathize. I, mean, I try to do that. I try to do that across the board. You know, I try to do that to feel into the, you know, whatever the guy nine to five and two kids and, mm -hmm. you know, just saying yes to whatever, mm -hmm. you know, the, the trusting, you know, Think like feel into that the fear of like this thing and like the people saying this is what you got to do and we're all in this together and you know i don't know just feeling into like the the, the different perspectives yeah um is just so important and um yeah and i'm with you i mean there's like a you know when i feel into the power thing it's like i mean i mean there's always there's always a fear you know 
-hmm. like, like, like people who, people who are self-possessed, people who, who feel confident, happy, um, connected to something bigger, they feel good about their lives. You, it's very rare you find those people trying to impose something upon someone else. Right. It's just very rare. Yeah. Like, uh, if I feel, if at all. There's... Yeah. Well, I was going to say that <laughs> I'm, not, I don't know, I'm in a mood right now. Yeah. So I, I know you say you don't want to go off, but I'll go off. Yeah. yeah. Well, because I, I do that a lot too. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm uh, characterology wise. I'm psychopathic, right? Now it doesn't it just for those listening that you know we're talking about the five uh, Reichian character structures and 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 psychopathic is one of them, but it, it doesn't mean what we generally think psych psychopath means. Um, it mean it's a kind of form of narcissism, narcissism, and uh, and there's a, a deep uh, insecurity inside. This is I'm describing myself: deep insecurity inside about the self because it wasn't recognized when you were a child and, and there's a lot of fear and terror there. And so, um, but, uh, they often make, uh, they're drawn towards leadership position. They can, if they heal, make great leaders. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, because I have that character structure, I feel like I can put myself in the mind of these people. Cause that's in me. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine myself, if I really go there, I could do anything. Mm -hmm. you know, if I'm, if I feel like I'm one of the fucking top five or 10 people running the world mm -hmm. and uh, I feel entitled to that position that I'm somehow special mm -hmm. because I'm in that position and I can make myself better than other people and mm -hmm. uh, convince myself that it's uh, my obligation, my duty, my responsibility to rule over the, uh, the average person who I would probably consider stupid and uncouth and mm -hmm. probably deep down would be disgusted by because I don't want to be one of them. Like they repulse me because I, I'm, I reject any sense of uh, ordinariness in mm -hmm. myself. So I, I, you can rationalize from that place doing almost anything. So, and I think it's hard for people to understand that because they're probably not in touch with their own darkness or they don't want to face how fucking dark the world is. Again, I say to people, just read a goddamn history book if you want to know how dark the world is. And if you think we've just suddenly woke up and we're not that anymore, you're crazy. I mean, that these impulses towards uh, power and control and dominance and conquest and slavery, even it's still inside us. And uh, you see it being acted out everywhere, including our own countries. And uh, it just takes a different form. It has different language, but a hundred, 200 years from now, we will look back at what the fuck is going on the same way that we look back at slavery and go, what the fuck were those guys thinking? Like, what were they doing? And it's like, well, this is what it means to be human. And the only way out of that is to own it inside yourself, take responsibility for it. Because the more you own your own fucking shadow, your own darkness, your capacity to fucking, the, to do harm, to want to, you know, create separation, to punish whatever it is, all the dark shit, the more you know that about yourself and own it, the less likely you are to act on it. You have some kind of control and mastery over it. Well, uh, but if it's deep in the unconscious, you can be sure it's coming out some, somehow, some way. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, um, 
you know, this, this thing of owning it, you know, and knowing it, you know, this is, this is like, you know, the, the, the big theme I think in, in the coming decades is, um, our, first of all, waking up to the, that the reality that all these things are inside of us, you know, like, yeah. the, the, you know, I, I'm not a, a quote unquote religious person, but like he who throws the first stone, you know, this idea of like, you think that you're so, no, that's you. You're the same, yeah. you know, we're all the same. And, and, uh, and so it's just a matter of, will we find a way to explore these things safely so that they're not actually being acted out, like you said, unconsciously in our lives, in the world, you know? And, and can we make some kind of shift or some kind of, can we have some kind of awakening so that we see that this is, this is what's going on and how can we address this safely? You know, yeah. how could, how can we, because like you said, there, there's no, there is no, um, I don't want to use, you know, whatever these terms, but like, you can't woke your way into this thing. You know, you, 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 and you can't love your way into this thing either that, Mm -hmm. that, that you, 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 we we have this experience. I I have this experience of exploring the things inside of me that I'm afraid of, that I'm afraid of within myself. And when I do go there and explore those things fully in the presence of other people, witnessed by other people, you know, the, the illusion that these things are dark and scary and control us dissipates. Yeah. But, but you can't, but there's no shortcut to it. No, you, you, you can't just invite the light in, you know, you can't pretend that you're just going to invite the light in and love, love, love. No, you, I, I, at least this is my take, you know, what do I know? I just, this is my, this is my experience, you know, in my life. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, I Try not to pretend like I fucking know. No, we're know. judging. We're judging the the love and light people right now, for sure. Well, the spiritual bypass. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I guess they are guess, annoying. They are annoying. What what I want to what I want to I mean what I want to say is that there's you know there's enormous um, you know there's enormous beauty to to exploring our darkness like yeah you know it's this, it's this and it's this and this this ultimate freedom comes from it that right you, you know you realize that oh this thing that i was so afraid of that i thought was so a part of me defining me making me a bad person or a actually isn't that big a deal at all and right. now that i now that i'm in there and i know it i, I know that that's not the bottom floor you know, that yeah. the bottom floor is, is love, is, you know, beauty and kindness and, you know, but again, there's no shortcut there. You can't, you can't, like you said, you can't bypass it. No. And I didn't really understand love and uh, deep, intimate connection until I went into the center of my darkness. Uh, all the way into my murderous rage, my desire to torture and kill in an embodied way. Obviously, it was in a safe space. Uh, But to do that in an embodied way, to actually feel the energy and the impulses in your body and to let them come out and express them fully. Mm -hmm. And then that took me to the right to my deepest pain and all of this uh, uh, 
sorrow came out of me and I, I realized uh, so many things uh, that I'd repressed from my childhood. And once I released all of that grief and it was, you know, just, I was sobbing and my body was shaking. Uh, I just, my heart opened up and I felt like deeply connected. It was like a Nirvana moment. Mm -hmm. And once you have that experience, you, you know, you, your entire conception of the shadow, the lower self, cruelty, all of that, it changes because you see it for what it is. It's a defense against feeling our pain. And of course, on the other side of our pain is our love. And to be wide open in the world, your heart wide open, undefended, you know, just letting your love radiate through in a genuine way. Uh, it's too vulnerable for most people. Uh, and also requires that you feel your deepest pain, which nobody wants to feel. You got to exercise all of it. You got to, and you got to go through the layers and that lower self, that hatred, it, it has to be uh, exercised in some sense. And, and then known, and then I realized that it doesn't go away. Uh, I've done all kinds of lower self work and I still have crazy fucking impulses, like dark thoughts all the time. And even in the middle of a fight with my girl, right? Like I'll just, I can feel the impulse to want to say something cruel mm -hmm. in that moment. And because I've done this work, I'm able to, and because I facilitate, you know, that would, that's where you really learn. Um, you, uh, you're aware of it and you just, you look at it and you're like, okay, I must, I must be in pain something. I must be feeling hurt. If I'm having this impulse to attack, mm -hmm. what am I defending? You know? And mm -hmm. if you can just get a hold of yourself in that moment a little bit, and usually it's not like I, I, I'm able to process it in the moment, but I'm smart enough to just keep my mouth shut, you know, and not say anything that's going to be damaging. Yeah. And that just feels like a, a revelation for me because you, you're in some sense, you're in control of yourself. And I know not to trust my own mind when I'm in a, in a triggered state or when I'm in a feel fearful state, you know, I'm humble to my own shadow. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's really at the core of what I'm trying to teach people. And it's a hard argument to make because people don't want to face the fact that they are, uh, capable of cruelty and that in fact they're probably cruel regularly mm -hmm. and in ways that they don't even understand and uh that are very sneaky and and tricky and it's the lower self does not want to uh to be known so it hides from us and uh so i i get it I get it. It's fucking terrifying work. And it takes, I don't know, dudes like us who want to go into these rooms over and over and do this crazy somatic work. Uh, not everybody wants to do that. And it's not for everybody, but we did it. And I always feel like, okay, like everything we're doing, we're, we're part of the whole, there's a collective thing going on here. And, and, and my role in this whole, you know, uh, soup, of uh, humanity is to, uh, to do this work and, and to, uh, to share it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I do recognize that not everybody can get there. Not everybody needs to get there, but that, you know, the people who are doing this work, we're holding something. And the fact that more and more people are being drawn to it tells me that, um, that the work is actually important because we are at some stage of, uh, I don't know, some evolutionary process and, 
and you can see it. You can see the shadow in the in the ruling class and the powers that be. You can see them crumbling. You can see there's things they don't understand. And the kids, 20s and 30s, they get this shit. They get it instantly. Not all of them, but a lot of them. I mean, they're a lot smarter than I was when I was their age. You know, people's consciousness evolves. So I think something's shifting. But, uh, you know, since you brought up the work, I'm talking about the work. Let's, you know, what, what drew you to the work? Like what, how did you find your way into it? And what, what drew you to it? We're talking about cornergetics here. Yeah. And, it, you know, cornergetics is obviously a specific, a specific, I guess, arm, I think, of a broader thing, which is, you know, a larger kind of experience of healing of um awakening of you know these the, all these words they all fall short right all these and even these conversations they they you know we, we attempt to sort of describe and explain and understand what's going on you know by using these words but um you know they always kind of fall short but yeah but, but what brought me in was um well i mean the the first thing that actually brought me in was performance and, and, and acting, you know, and we share that in common, you know, we don't, we didn't have the same arc as a career. You had a lot more commercial success than I did, but I, I was drawn into acting um, because, you know, I, I felt in my early mid twenties that um although everyone perceived me as being really capable, you know, I was good in school. I was good at sports. Uh, I was quote unquote popular. I, I, I had this feeling inside. You're of six, me. five handsome as fuck. Yeah. And I, ripped. Yeah, You're I, stud, dude. <laughs> I, uh, I had this feeling inside that um, how people perceived me was not how I felt. Right. You know? And I, I felt afraid. I felt afraid of a bunch of stuff. And for some reason, um, when I collided with this opportunity to go into performing arts, uh, something just sort of like a tuning fork went off in me and was like, oh, if I, if I did this, which I had no background in, no desire, no, it wasn't on my radar in any way. If I could do this, I'm like, I would have to face my fear. That, right. that, that, that's the feeling I got, you know, when I first collided and that took me down. Um, and, you know, I got to do, you know, pretty, um, whatever you call it, like, um, this sort of traditional sort of actor training where you kind of quote unquote, they break you down and break, build you back up this, you know, um, style yeah. of, you know, actor training or whatever. And I had some really wonderful teachers and it just, um, you know, sort of woke me up to like, um, that um, that I had to clear, I had to get myself clear if I was going to do this thing, this acting thing, this artistic thing that, when done really well, was like this amazing, beautiful thing, you know. Yeah. And then, and then on that on on that journey, it sort of, um, you know, I collided with a couple of people that were doing the cornergetics thing, and um, and um, when I w went to my first men's group thing, and it just spoke to me, you know, this, this, this idea of make, of, of allowing um, a space to explore the things in you that you might be afraid of is just so powerful. Yeah. 
It's just such a powerful thing, you know, and, 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 and this, this idea, you know, this, this terminology of safe space has been used and abused so much that it doesn't really mean anything, but this, this, this idea that, that two people or a group of people could hold something between them and say, um, I'm not going to judge what comes out of you because we're all complicated humans and what you, what, what might come out of you in this moment when we're, you know, working on this particular thing, you know, it might be true. It might not be true, it, but to give someone that space and for me to feel that space, yeah. you know, that, that I could bring out what was inside of me and it was okay. Changed my life. You know, cause I no longer felt like I had to hide. I no longer felt like I couldn't, be who I was and and then it allowed me to go ask even further that question well, look, well what is in there let me go further let me actually now that I feel like I can what else is in there what can I allow myself to feel what can I allow myself to explore um and um yeah and that just was you know just such a powerful feeling to have. And I never, you know, you, you, once you, once you have it, you, you can, you don't go back. No, you know, you don't, you don't go back once, once these sort of things happen to you, it's like, you don't, you can't unsee it or whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, maybe we should attempt to describe it uh, in some way and, and, you know, in part, just maybe even talking about some of your experiences, but we're also talking about uh, radical aliveness and uh, Ann Bradney, who was, my teacher, I, I went to her school and studied with her for 10 solid years, made a documentary. That was actually, I learned, I don't say I learned more, but I learned so much from that documentary because I had to edit that thing. So I sat with her for four or five years. I got like inside Anne's head. I, I think I know Anne better than she knows Anne. Like I know what she's doing more <laughs> than she does because it's like watching game film over and over and over again of the master. And I just, I absorbed all of it. And I would, I'd have these realizations. Oh, that's what the fuck she's doing. You start to see the patterns. You can start to mm. see the framework of how she holds everything. And then once you have that framework and people can feel the framework, mm. right. Which is a kind of mental construct. It's, it's like, you're holding something. It's some kind of container inside yourself, right? It's a, like a vision. And that it's guiding everything in a direction when people can feel that and feel the goodness of it and that there's no, uh, you're not trying to control anything. You're just giving things shape. And then you give people permission, as you said, to just let whatever wants to come through them, come through them, which is a whole other fucking thing to get to the bottom of. Um, you know, so that's, you know, so radical aliveness. And this is, this is what Anne does. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a very hard thing to describe and, you know, she changes the definition of it every year. So it's hard to keep up because it's always evolving in her mind, but basically the way I see it is, uh, you know, it has to be done in the presence of a skilled facilitator and there has to be some teaching of, of, uh, you know, what we're doing here. There's some self-responsibility everybody takes, but, and you have to stay present in the process, but basically it's like, you just trust that whatever wants to come through you. Uh, whatever like impulse that you have, whether it's to move in a certain way or to uh, express yourself or say something, it's allowed. And that not only is it allowed, it's it's welcomed and it's it becomes part of the fabric that everything of, of everything that's going on and it has value. 
and to trust that no matter what wants to come through me, even if it's ugly, even if it's cruel, even if everything's going to the right and I'm screaming out left uh, and everybody hates me, whatever it is, uh, it's serving something bigger. And because it, if it's coming through me and we're in a group, it's not just about me, right? It's about something else. And once you kind of drop into that idea and then just give yourself permission, it's so healing. Because exactly, you know, as you said, it's like all this stuff we hide, feelings we're ashamed of, you know, we judge ourselves in so many ways. And this was a space you could just get that all out and uh, almost like clear the pipes. And, and then you see what's actually there, you know? And, and again, that, that's where it takes a skilled facilitator to, to guide it uh, so that we, we, we're constantly getting, you know, beyond the stories, beyond the narrative, beyond the accusations, whatever's going on to the truth that's underneath, like, you know, what's, 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 what's motivating this, uh, impulse, you know, this instinct that you have, like what's, what's going on for you here and what does it mean for you? And, and, and what do you basically also, what are you feeling? You know, what's the feeling here that's motivating it? And I, and I, I don't know, just that space to, to explore and it's magical. That's the other thing. Like you have a room full of people. It's like having a bunch of great musicians jamming. Of course, it's going to be magical, <clears throat> all giving themselves permission to really, to really go. It's, it's the same concept. And so it's something, it's like you're creating something together and the group transcends the individual. And, and also th that's the other thing is you realize that, you know, we, yes, we're individuals, but it's impossible to, escape the collective mm -hmm. you just can't like mm -hmm. we're in it like we're uh we're connected to everyone mm -hmm. and everyone is a part of us and everybody is some aspect of of who we are and uh but what i like sorry to jump in here but what i yeah. what i what i love about that is that um that essential and, and and this is sort of has a broader theme to it but essential to to that feeling of we are all in the collective is the individual like is the 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 courageous sort of exploration and reveal of the individual yes you know that you, you can't you can't you know you can't reach out and say we're all in this together if you aren't the person bringing all of yourself you know exploring all of yourself you know in all that you are feeling and, and being, you know, and so, you know, it just reminds me of today with this sort of, there's a big collectivist sort of push. And I'm like, no, no, don't, don't, don't pull me in to something that I don't feel like it actually is a collective thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, especially like, when they're asking you to suppress aspects of yourself, like that, I'm not for that kind of collective. And the thing that yeah. I, I, I love what you're saying, cause it's true that when you uh, bring yourself fully all the way, you feel uh, the truth of that, of what I just said, that we are all connected yeah. and that's the way to get to the collective. And I think there's a belief that not everybody uh, is allowed to be all of who they are. That's bullshit. There is room for everybody. There's room for everybody to be all of who they are. And if everybody brings all of who they are, like th that's that to me is the ultimate collectivism. Like everybody's an individual bringing all of who they are, expressing themselves fully. Uh, 
and we're all in this together. It's both things can exist at the same time. That's, yeah, yeah. But, well, yeah. absolutely, they're essential, right? They're, they're essential. They're, yeah, they're, it's essential. Exactly. Yeah, and, and it's and it's a it's you know, I think it's a profound truth, a profound truth that there is a oneness, and essential to the oneness is the individuality, is the separateness. Yeah, like you know that they're they're, they're essential to each other. Why did you feel uh, insecure and afraid? Like, where where did that come from? Because yes, and it must have been hard for you because people look at you, they say this, you know, you're tall, you're good looking and you know, you're, you're a good athlete, all the things you said, and they must just assume you're this badass motherfucker. Who's totally confident all the time, but mm -hmm. you weren't, what do you like? Where did that come from? Um, well, I mean, there's probably part parts of it that I'm, that I'm still, you know, uncovering. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and working with an understanding and, you know, I, I think just like all of us, there was something in my developmental years where, where I felt very sensitive to things, you know, like sensitive to people and what was going on around me and, and a bit like I was in a way thrust into I don't know, maybe it was school, maybe it was, even though, you know, at school, again, I was the popular one or whatever, but I still felt like I was pretending, you know, like I felt like I was, I was in survival mode. Right. And, and having to win mm -hmm. or I would lose. It was right. like winner. That's how I felt. It was either win or I'm going to lose. And, and so it was like pressure. I guess right. I, I, I felt constant pressure and, and I didn't feel like I knew really what, who I was. I knew who I was trying to be. I knew, I knew who, who I was trying to make people convince or convince people that I was, mm -hmm. you know, so that I could stave off this feeling of like, fuck, if I'm not winning, like I'm going to get obliterated here. You know, if I, if I don't keep like winning, it's like, I'm going to lose big time. Obliterated. Yeah. That's yeah. the feeling. Like if you yeah. don't win, you're obliterated. Yeah. That's a or lot you of can pressure. just, or you just get run over, you know? Right. So it's like either, either exhibit the dominance and keep dominating and winning, or mm -hmm. you're, you're going to be, you're out. Wow. So, you know, something like that, you know, I'm sure if I, if I let myself go deeper in it with, there would be other stuff, you know, but it's in that world, you know, I think, I think, and I think it's a common thing amongst, um, all men that there's this, you know, biological imperative of like, you know, there's a biological thing that's connected to this fight, flight, freeze, this like, I got to survive, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's what the and, toxic masculinity argument misses to me. Hmm. It's like, it, it, there's something deep in my genes that wants to fucking dominate. It's not, it's not a distortion. <laughs> I wasn't taught that. It, it, it's just in me and it comes out in sports, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know where the fuck it came from, mm -hmm. but it's in us, obviously. I mean, this is what the world has been about forever. And I'm not, I'm not uh, saying it to rationalize anything. I'm just saying it's like, a, it's an aspect of us and maybe it needs to be channeled in a different way. And lots of men channel it uh, very destructively. And that's what people are angry about. 
But the solution isn't to uh, shame that part of men. The solution is to uh, understand and recognize it and, uh, and see that there's actual goodness. Absolutely. In it's, it. And it, it serves a purpose. Yes, it's necessary. It's, it, yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. And so, uh, and again, you know, it's, it's to be explored and to be understood so right. that it can be harnessed <laughs> instead of, you know, it being, you know, firing off uncontrollably, you know, what are you up to now? Are you, uh, facilitating workshops? Are you doing any, no, uh, or, therapy no work? I, I, I'm working with some clients, you know, sort of a, a limited number of clients that I love. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I feel like I'm in a transition place. It's like, um, all that's happened in the last year and a half, you know, you know, it's, and the way to Canada's, here I go into like this stuff I don't want to say, but like, you know, the, and, the, and just the way that I feel in Canada. Um, How do you feel? Well, I feel a little shaken up by everything. Shaken up, like upset? Yeah. Disillusioned? By, like, just by the mandates and by the way people or or at least you know a lot of people seem to be responding you know and even even friendships that i had and you know got these the inkling of you know what people thought and and um you know it just it, it it's it, it affects me and it, and it makes me you know makes me feel feel a lot around it and and it also partly makes me want to say you know Fuck you then. And, and I'm going to go somewhere where I feel more aligned with, um, I guess, how people feel about, you know, personal choice. Yeah. That's um, why I'm in Texas. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. And, I, and, I, and I, I, I've said this to you, but I feel, you know, I feel a little bit of a pull there um, because, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I, I want to feel like, um, you know, I guess I want to feel like I look around and like the people around me have my back or something, something like that, you know? Yeah, no, that yeah, I, I feel that here. Uh, there's a lot of people here that are, uh, you know, share a point of view, a lot of, you know, California transplants. And uh, so there's lots of, uh, yeah, there's lots of friends and, and, but these, and not all of them, you know, but many of them are able to hold, hold the complexity of the situation. And I think that's important because you, know, you can go on the other side and just uh, constantly be screaming about how insane the left is and, and, you know, communism and go all the way into conspiracy theories and get lost in that. Not, not that, you know, <laughs> not that I don't believe some of them or, or I'm mm -hmm. open to it because there's some fucking shady shit going on, but you can be consumed in that. And, and I don't, I don't like, I don't want to be consumed in that or be around that, but there's a lot of very reasonable people here and yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, good. that's, that's good. And, 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 and I can see, I could see myself, you know, I think we're going to, we're going to roll down there and just have some time and just see how it feels. Um, and yeah, I, I'm not a, you know, I, I, I'm not a political person. I don't feel political, you know, in fact, I wish that, and I, and I, and I foresee a time when politics will have far less of a, you know, gravity, gravity in our, in our society. I just think that, it's for me it's a bit of a sign that we've we have uh we are longing for something you know that this longing is is being misplaced and this obsession with politics is like you know it's connected to a lot of things including i think the quality of our 
you know, financial system and whatnot. So I've fallen down that rabbit hole as well, but um, yeah. So um, I'm meandering a bit, but, but did you uh, hold on? Well, let's, let's, did you see that BlackRock ex BlackRock uh, CEO video that was floating around? No. What was it? Well, he was basically saying that the financial system's about to collapse. Everybody knows it. Mm-hmm. The gig is up. This uh, modern monetary theory, we just flood the econ- economy with cash. You're just printing money. It, 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 it's got to bottom out eventually mm-hmm. and that they know that. Mm-hmm. And he said, this is what he's saying, that this, uh, these COVID measures um, are connected to um they know that riots are coming. They know that when the financial system collapses, that people are going to revolt because obviously what's going to happen, like similar to what happened in Argentina, I guess, you know, whenever that was 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, when just the, the dollar went from, you know, it was worth $1. And then all of a sudden it was worth like 33 cents. And yeah, of course people are going to fucking freak out if something like that happens, if everything they own is worth only a third, their money's worth only a third. And I, you know, who knows, but so that in some way, these measures, uh, the lockdowns and the masks and the vaccines, whatever it is, it's I, I, this is how I feel it too, that it's it's an exercise in compliance and it's getting people prepared for what's coming because uh, there's going to be some, the great reset, you know, and maybe a reset. Usually this is how it works. It comes with a collapse. And it, yeah. this is what this guy was saying. And it scared me. A collapse. I mean, you hear that all the time, but, it, and I, I've been saying that this whole system is going to crumble. It has to just because of the technology that's out there and, and our consciousness and how we've been evolving, it's inevitable that we're going to build new and better systems. That's just evolution. So there's an old system here that's obsolete and there's people still benefiting from it. And they want to hold on, but you know, evolution is inevitable. And I think, I think we're going to get there, but there's going to be uh, some, uh, <laughs> some chaos before we, and I don't know when we get there, hopefully in my lifetime, I'd like to see the golden age on the other side of the revolution, but uh, you know, that th- this is what's happening. Um, and, yeah. and it feels true to me on a, uh, uh, like a, a psycho spiritual level, like the psychology of it adds up and mm-hmm. also uh if you take the the spiritual perspective, you know, almost like th- that there's a good and evil inside ourselves and, and we're always doing battle and that uh, sometimes evil gets the best of us or the dark side in order for us to rise up and really find our connection to spirit, because that's the only way that you can defeat it, you know, defeat it within yourself and defeat it externally. And I'm, I'm using these terms, good and evil in, in an archetypal way, but um it's a necessary part of the process. And, and this is actually a pattern. There's a great book called the Lucifer principle by Howard Bloom. And that the whole premise of the book is, well, the question he asks is, is evil, uh, is it part of the evolutionary process? It exists. So it must serve a purpose. And the book explores the purpose that it serves. And basically what he said is that he concludes that it serves evolution in some way that uh, exactly what we're talking about, like that was, was going to say have to be reborn. You need that tension. You need that conflict. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I guess that's my, uh, um, like these, you know, these archetypal terms, they're difficult to use, you know, but, but I think that they're very much connected to what, you know, the first part of our conversation is about, which is, you know, exploring these places within us that we're fearful of and that, yeah. that are, that are dark to us, you know? And, um, 
and yeah, I think uh, when you, you know, uh, I, I've fallen down this sort of uh, the rabbit hole of uh, monetary history. And when, when you look through the eyes of history, history, um, when you look through it through a monetary lens, you see, oh, oh, wait, this oh, and that was happening. And, and you, you can see there's correlations at every turn. Yeah. That what that when the 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 you know the 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 incentives um, towards accruing or stealing wealth, you know, in whatever capacity, these often aligned with the major conflicts of the world. Um, they weren't. They weren't. They weren't. They weren't idealistic the way the way some history may, you know <laughs> yeah, try to yeah. try to pawn it off. But yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Also, the well, the awakening that I had is, you know, the last four or five years, you know, you watch the news, you realize it's all fucking bullshit. Mm -hmm. And then you start to think, well, what about history? Like, can I trust any of the history that I've been told? Because what I'm seeing in real time is hit and the history is going to be written by these people I, or well, we'll see. But um it's all bullshit. It's all lies. So it's like, yeah, we're fed. It's just all propaganda. That's all we're fed. That's all we've yeah. been fed since we were fucking kids is propaganda. It's they don't want to tell us the truth. Well, it's intensifying now that we're, I think, in the late stages of this kind of a cycle, you know, and I think, right. I think we are going to have a pretty tumultuous decade. But as always, you know, it's, it is, you know, it's a cliche, but it, it's dark so that it gets light, you know, and right. I, I can feel that and believe that deeply. So I'm always optimistic. But yeah, I think there is, um, um, there's turbulence to come for sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's a big rabbit hole. The money rabbit hole is a big one. Like, we, well, let's, we can, let's go down and teach me. Teach me. What well, have you learned? Well, I mean, I've, I've learned a ton, ton about it. Um, basically, it's like um, there's a, there's a great Henry Ford quote, you know, turn of the century, and he said, um, I'll, "I'll butcher it, but it's something along the lines of it's good that uh, you know the average person doesn't understand how the monetary system works." Cause if they did, they'd, there'd be a revolt in the morning. Right. You know, essentially that, um, I mean, I mean just, okay. So instead of get, let's, instead of getting into the weeds, how about this? Like something like a broad stroke, right. You know, does it make intuitive sense that there's a, you know, a small group of people that decide how, how money functions. Yeah. And, and then there's a huge swath of people, the, the vast majority of the people on the planet that are trying to, do some form of work or contribution to create some kind of value for themselves and then their family. And yet the thing that they're trying to create, the value they're trying to create is at the disposal of, and the control of a very small group of people. Yeah. I mean, that's fucking insane. Yes. If you think about that, just, just that, and that our society works that way, it's insane that, that everything that you do really, you know, in the, in the world of creating something, you know, making a contribution, wanting things, longing for something, having a desire to live a certain way, it's connected to the value that you can produce, you know, and store, save, spend. Right. And someone or and a group of people decide how that money works. Yeah. Are you listening to Robert Breedlove? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. <laughs> okay. I'm i four deep, deep four years in. Yeah, Robert Breedlove is awesome. I just discovered him about uh, 
three months ago, but yeah, he, he absolutely blew my mind on that. Uh, it was an interview with, uh, with the impact theory podcast and it was a two hour conversation that that guy hosts that show is really good, really smart. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he broke it down for me in a way that I had never heard before. And I was never really able to understand it, but once you, yeah, once you understand what the fuck is going on, it's, it's, it's insane. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely insane. And mm -hmm. yeah, as you said, you know, it's a small group of people. Well, you know, where are their incentives, especially when things get dicey, it's them and their friends. They don't fucking give a shit about anybody else. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in a cynical way. I just mean that that's how the world works. And if I was in that position, I'd probably be doing the exact same fucking thing. So I'm not even judging it, but we have to set up a new system. We can't let these, you know, and this is why Bitcoin, this is why Bitcoin, this is, I mean, I said, you know, obviously if you're watching Breedlove, you're into Bitcoin and uh, I'm into Bitcoin and the whole, it's in what, I guess, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's a, I don't know that there's anything that's blown my mind as much as Bitcoin uh, in the last couple of we have, years. We've never talked, we've never talked about Bitcoin. No, we've never talked Bitcoin. You, you know that that I'm obsessed, right? I'm five years obsessed with Bitcoin. I didn't know that you were obsessed. No, I didn't. I know your um, brother is. <laughs> yeah. Obsessed. <laughs> well, no, just, just, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. He is as well, but like, um, yeah, I'm on another level obsessed. Like, ask right. me something, you know. Like, like well, I'd love to talk Bitcoin. Like, it, 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 it's like I can't. I have to stop myself from talking about Bitcoin. My, Is my, Jess my wife stop you from talking about Bitcoin all the time. Yeah, no, like, Diana uh, too. Same. Or she just, she just, you know, she just tunes it out because it's like <laughs> at, at every turn. It's it's really hard not to, you know. It, it's kind of it's it's very much like. You know, it's very much like core when something impacts you profoundly. Yeah, it's really hard not to want to. Hey, do you know? Do you know about this? Like, do you, what do you what do you think of this? You know, it's hard right. not to want to. You know, converse about it. Well, because it's it it revolutionizes everything more than anything in my lifetime. It feels like to me because the internet was a big deal, for sure, and it 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 changed everything. But this is a whole other level. Like when you understand the concept, when you really feel into decentralization, when you feel into it's like, it's all run on a protocol, like nobody's in control of it. Rules without rulers. Yes, exactly. R rules without rulers. I hadn't heard that. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And you let that sink into your body, like the meaning of that. And then you extrapolate that out as a, as a concept, as a philosophy on all the other aspects of society, you, it just, you realize like, it's a whole other world. It's a, it's a, it's complete another dimension of reality. And I don't comprehend it fully. It's, you know, this is probably why I'm obsessed with it. You're obsessed because we want to understand it. This is where it's going. And there is something it's technology you know, it's, it's, it's money, I guess it is money, but it's also, there's some spiritual quality to it. Like it's, it's like, I, you know, it sounds crazy, but it's, you know, I mean, breed love is referred to this. It's like God. And the fact that, um, we don't know who made it, who invented it, who created it, you know, the actual person, it, that mythology is it, like, it's too perfect. Yeah. It's too perfect. I mean, literally the Lakota word for 
God, spirit, you know, Wonka Tonka, great mystery, mm-hmm. right? That's like the, to me, that's the favorite, my favorite expression of God. It's a great, God's a great mystery, mm-hmm. you know, it just puts you in a, in a place. And that's why, you know, the Bitcoin is a great mystery mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. And uh, it's hard to, <laughs> it's, I don't even know why exactly. Like, I haven't got it all figured out and it's hard to explain yeah. to other people, but I want people to understand it because it's so fucking deep. Okay. So, so let's just go a little bit and I'll just see what comes out. Cause anything, you know, I could spew for a long time on this, but um, I've heard it. I've heard it um, described as a truth machine. Mm. So it's open source software, right? And, and the protocol essentially is ossified. It's, it's very unlikely that it's the base layer protocol is going to be changed. So it's an open source software. Anyone can look at the code and see how it functions and what it mm-hmm. does. So it's completely transparent as to how it works. And there are r- rules about it that are never going to change, like the hard cap supply of 21 million or you know 210 quad- quadrillion Satoshis, 21 million Bitcoin, right? Each each Bitcoin is 100 million Satoshis. That's the smallest unit. And maybe even then it's further divisible. Um, but to stay in the more philosophical realm, it's like there's this thing that everyone that you, it's opt-in. So you have the choice to, to be a part of this protocol, right? This network. And, and it's open source, so it's totally transparent. And you decide if you want to you know, partake in it basically. And everyone who partakes in it makes the network stronger. So like Jack Dorsey just left Twitter and he's a man on a mission for Bitcoin. And so anyone involved in Bitcoin, essentially now, you know, one of the brightest, I think one of the brightest minds is now on the team. It's on the Bitcoin team and yes. he's, cre- he's creating and building and he's going to do these incredible things. But again, back to more of the philosophical thing. It is this protocol that essentially says, this is what the truth is. You know, every 10, every 10 minutes, there's a block that gets mined, right? These compute, this massive computer system solves these problems in order to mine these blocks and, and then create all these blocks together that are basically saying, this is the truth. This is what the truth of the ledger is. And okay? no one can change it. And you cannot change it because there's these, I don't know how many now, hundreds of thousands of blocks. So you would have to change every single other block. It's impossible essentially to change it. There's so much computing power, uh, you know, guaranteeing the security of it. So essentially what this thing is, is a living, breathing heartbeat of like, this is the truth. This is the truth. God. (laughs) This is the truth. This is the truth. Like over and over again, block after block after block. This is the truth of the ledger. You know, anyone partaking in this Mm. system, this is the value. These are the people that have the keys to this, uh, you know, quote unquote amount of value in this network. Mm -hmm. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. And that's it. That's all it does. It's this very simple system, but the reverberations are profound. Yeah. Like, Like in some ways, I think it might be the first time that there is, and again, this is, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm out on a philosophical limb here, but that there is, and I've had these conversations with other Bitcoiners, that there is a corporeal sort of instantiation. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's something in the real world, in the corporeal world that is connected to like a higher truth. You know what I mean? So like, 
if if Bitcoin is always sort of reflecting the truth of the physical world in a way, mm-hmm. and you yourself engage with it, you yourself engage with it, mm-hmm. it starts to um, change you. You can't change it; it changes you. It just starts to <laughs> it's it starts to happen. Wow! You know, be, because because what happens, Dave, is that okay? And, and see if I can get to it because I, I get I'm so blown away by it that it's sometimes difficult to articulate. But when when one when one discovers that that which the contribution that I make, what I create, whatever value that I put into the world, when I know that that value. Now, granted, you know, we're, we're in a price discovery of what this network is. And so the price fluctuations are massive. And that's one of the criticisms of, of you know, the system. But we're in, a, in an incredible sort of transitional price discovery phase. So, you know, these price fluctuations are going to, they're just a part of it. Yeah. But, but when I start to sense that what I do, the work that I do, the contribution that I make, when I can store it, in something that I know the rules are never going to change. Yeah. Um, something happens because what you, what, what I realize is that the value that I've created, no one can fuck with yes. and no one, and no one's going to take from me and no one's going to dilute it or debase it or tell me what I can or can't do with it. Yeah. And, and when that happens, what, what has happened for me, true is collectivism. That, yeah. True collectivism. And what, what, what happens to me is that I then, I then I'm very more discerning about what would I, where would I put that value? Mm. You know, like, like I, I feel very much like, um, because I know that what I've created and what, where I've stored my contribution in, and the value that I have is going to grow. It's going to maintain its value and probably grow in value. It's mm-hmm. like, what am I willing to part with? You know, like, what am I willing to part with? Like, if I'm going to, if I'm going to, if I'm going to um, spend on something, if I'm going to invest in something, right? it starts to make me go, it really has to matter to me, you know? And so therefore the way I operate in the world is of one of like, like, I'm very aware of the importance of my choices, of the decisions I make. It's not, you know... It, there's nothing frivolous that happens. You, like it starts to make me go like, what's really important to me? What are the things I value the most in my life? You know, and, and there's a distillation process that is happening for me and I'm realizing, and this has been there in a whisper, you know, for a long time, but I'm realizing that the things that really matter to me are like my health, my family, my relationships, the people that I really care about, the connection that I have with the people I really care about. Um, my connection to nature, you know, like I'm distilling down my life to let go of the things that really are noise and it's happening. I think somehow connected to this protocol. It sounds weird to say, but it's like, it's, there's a bridge there. I've never heard that before, but it it resonates. And I've been feeling that as well. I don't, I, I don't know that I was aware of it, but there was something in that, um, because I've heard Sailor talk a lot about it. You know, he talks about it's like stored energy. <clears throat> and, I, and just what, in what you were saying, it, it also is making me want to be uh, more efficient with my time and energy. Like, how am I spending my time and energy? 
And is it focused? Um, because if I feel like that's going to directly uh, translate into stored energy, uh, that I, and that I'm compensated in some way that it, that somehow there's like a fair exchange. It's, it's more, there's nothing in the way. Right. And I can trust it. And so the, exactly the rules of the game are very, very clear. And once I know the rules of that game, it's like, okay, where do I want to put my energy? Where do I want to focus? And it, it yeah, it does feel like there's some, something that wants to make, it wants to make become more efficient uh, inside myself, but also exactly like where, you know, if I'm going to go buy something like you, it's, it does, it's making me realize like almost like what's important. Why? Yeah. I've never heard that. It's so fucking weird. And it's a, it's a hard sound. <laughs> if you're listening and you know, you're not interested in Bitcoin. It's probably sounds sane, but if you go down the rabbit hole and really understand it, and again, I don't think either of us probably, I don't think anybody fucking fully understands it. how can we oh, no. understand it? We're just no. starting to, to come to terms with it. And it's, and it's made me value my time more than I ever have. Now, granted, you know, now I'm older, I'm in my forties. Right. And, and, and my life has changed, you know, become yeah. a dad and, and become a partner. And, but this thing has made me like take a step back and reflect on really reflect on how do I want to spend, literally spend the value that I have and, yeah. and, and the most and the scarcest resource, you know, how do I want to spend my time? Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's just, you know, it, it, it has an incredible effect on um, the choices that I make now. Yeah, me too. I think about it all the time. And again, like, as I, I can feel as we're talking, like, it's almost like uh, there's this world on the, out here, you know, inside my own mind. And it's like, I can feel all of the space uh, that is unoccupied meaning uh there's so much i don't yet know and understand but there's a feeling that i have about it um that i, I don't know why it just it just uh oh it's why is all the things we're talking about do you think um i mean <clears throat> to get into out of the philosophical and into the uh the politics of it i mean it feels like i've heard plan b i'm sure you've listened to plan b or maybe you haven't he's somebody oh, yeah. who talks a lot about bitcoin yeah um that it's basically it, it's going to be a war like the old monetary system versus uh bitcoin uh that they're going to go head to head at some point they're going to try to take it out somehow some way i don't know or try to control i mean how can they not or is it inevitable? Is it is it just is it a new monetary system that's going to evolve and just eventually take over? We we hit a tipping point and that's it. What what do you think is going to happen? Well, again, nobody knows for sure, right? So I just I can just share my instincts and uh, and I think about this a lot, you know, because you know it's a big thing. Um, and the past year, um, I mean, I just pinch myself sometimes because I I. I, I almost can't, can't imagine, like, I know, I know this has been a very difficult year, you know, a couple of years, but one of the positives, I think one of the positives is that it's really had an impact on Bitcoin and, and it's really woken a lot of people up to Bitcoin and even people in quote unquote positions of power. Yeah. And so when I, when I look across the border and I see sort of um, what seems like the, you know, where the regulatory sort of environment is headed, to me, it feels pretty darn good. And I, yeah. and I, I think that there's a possibility that 
Um, Cause I know the history, I know a bit of the history of Bitcoin, you know, and, and the, the fork wars of 217. And I, I think we've already perhaps weathered some nation state attacks. Mm. They just, they've just come in different forms. Right. Um, and uh, as good ones would, you know, um, and I think that it's possible and I don't know, and I'm cautiously optimistic, but I think that, that again, powers that be might be quietly allowing this thing to grow alongside so mm. that it, it is a kind of a lifeboat that they're not going to say, Hey, you know, they're not going to vouch for it, but they're not going to attack it. And I think they might just let it grow as a parallel system, knowing that, that the system we have is untenable. Right. Well, they're, like, you know, if that, if what the BlackRock guy was saying that, that, that they all know this system is going to collapse, that would make sense. I mean, the, the simple mathematics of it, it you know, again, broad strokes, but like worldwide debt is essentially like four to one GDP. Wow. And once you get to that place, essentially the math has already decided that, that these debts aren't getting paid back. Yeah. You know? I mean, unless somebody invents like, I don't know, nuclear fusion and there's some kind of incredible, you know, technological energy invention that, you know, makes energy free for the entire world. We're not, we're not, we're not growing our way back out of these debts. Right. And, and so there is a, there, there is some kind of systematic thing that's, that's changing, you know, there's mm -hmm. going to be some kind of, again, quote unquote reset. Um, and my hope is that, that enough, you know, enough Americans, because, you know, it's going to be really, it's, I think it's in the West anyways, I think, again, I'm just speculating, right. But I have a feeling there's going to be some kind of a bifurcation in the world and the East is going to favor a kind of parental control. And I hope the West is going to favor individualism. And my hope is, is that, um, is that the United States will see that, you know, the Bitcoin ethos is right in line with, you know, I guess maybe how some of the early people in the country minus, you know, obviously some of the atrocities, but like the, the, the idea of what the country was right. supposed to be individualism and, you know, this idea of sound money, right. Money that has value and the people get to keep their value. You know, no one decides how the money works. It feels like we're in a revolution to me that will look back in history and see everything that's happening as some kind of, revolution or you know maybe even a civil war but it, which again it, it it seems inevitable like <clears throat> the technology is changing like we're changing like it has to change mm -hmm. and I, I i'm i love that you you know uh think that there's people in in positions of power who who really understand it and and understand that they need to 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 let it happen well the beauty the beauty of uh, the beauty of bitcoin is that you know, and the reason why it's so difficult to wrap your head completely around is that it involves like, it involves cryptography, monetary history, game theory, like it, it just it involves so many different disciplines that you, you got to know something about it, it. It's reach is so profound. And so, you know, in game theory alone, it's like, you know, people are incentivized to, you're incentivized in a way to be a part of the network earlier. Mm -hmm. And if you start to see that this is, this network is growing and strengthening, it's like people who have resources and, and, and countries and corporations, they start to look and go, this thing is, this is a snowball going downhill. Like, yeah, 
you know, am I going to do this at the end? Or and, and of course, the most powerful and the wealthy are, are incentivized to adopt it last, which is you know beautifully poetic. But <laughs> but but there is a game theory at play. I mean, yeah, like already we can see it happening in the states between states. Like there are governors coming out saying we want to make this state a Bitcoin state. Arizona just, you know, a senator in Arizona just is trying to put through a bill to make legal tender, Bitcoin legal tender in Arizona. So we're seeing the, you know, this beautiful thing that the states are acting independent of the whole. And Texas- There's billboards all over Austin. Yeah. Well, Austin is in some ways the Bitcoin Mecca for the planet. There's so many- Not Miami? Miami is like a glitzy version, but Austin is the real thing. Really? Yeah. The Bitcoiners like, and the Bitcoin companies that are in Austin are the, I think the brightest and the hardest score. I'd go to Miami, man, if I was a Bitcoiner. I mean, I, my, Diana's from Miami, so, and she still lives there. Um, I mean, she's here now a lot of the time, but uh, uh, Miami's fucking cool, man. Well, they're competing. They're competing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They're competing and, and they're both jockeying for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Texas and Florida are the two states. And then Wyoming is really, you know, bringing up the other side and now Arizona. And again, really? we're, seeing, we're seeing the game clear, the game theory at, at work right now. Right, right. So whoever gets in or whoever adopts, you know, El Salvador has made this incredible gamble, you know. Yeah. And again, if it starts to pay off, then it's a snowball going downhill. So we're, we're just going to. You know, it's fascinating what's going to happen this decade. And, you know, again, who knows? No one knows for sure. But I have a feeling in, you know, three, four years that just like the just like the Internet, no one really knows. You know, you just assume that this is a network and, you know, we, we all plug into it. And what what do you think happens next? Do you, do you have an idea of where this is? Uh, I mean, you, you just alluded to it, obviously, but uh, it's, it's going to be Bitcoin. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's going to be some short-term turbulence here because it's connected to the broader macro picture, right? And and the Federal Reserve and the American Treasury, it's like they're they, they're doing a dance right now. Um, they 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 know the debts are up, unmanageable, right? But they're doing the dance again. This is just my opinion. They're doing the dance between we don't want the riots in the streets. Right, we we, mm-hmm. we we can't inflate this dollar so much that inflation gets completely out of hand, and yeah. the average guy can't afford his food. Right, because they say that over the course of history, I don't know the number is something like once forty percent of the money that you make, uh, it, it is you forty percent of your wage has to go to food. That's when people hit the streets. Right, so, so they're very aware of like what's the edge that pushes people too far, and so they're balancing. I believe they're balancing the pitchforks with the the unraveling of the economic system, you know? And so they've got to uh, deflate and inflate in a way to try to keep this balance. And they've done that with success for decades now. You know, we went off the gold standard in 1971. And, and so for decades now, they've been able to manage it. But now the debt levels are so high. It's like, you know, the bumpers, it's like bumper bowling. The bumpers are getting smaller and smaller. Right. And smaller, and so, as we've seen, that the inflation prints in the last whatever six months, you know, are at an all-time whatever. They haven't been this high since the '70s or whatever. Mm-hmm. So now, so now the Fed has said we're going to come in, we're going to tighten, we're going to stop with this easing, 
you know, we're going to do four, four, um, um, interest rate hikes, yeah. you know, this, this year, and that's going to, it's already, anyways, this is, it's a longer conversation, but then the markets, the, the market sort of says, Oh, this is what's going to happen. We're going to start selling off these growth stocks because those stocks are more dependent on debt. And, you know, it, unfortunately, like we, we've witnessed in the last 30 years, the financialization of our world. And, and that's the unfortunate thing is that when, when Wall Street and, and, and powerful people realize that you could gamify the money and if you could get control and gamify the money and then win that game, you didn't have to do anything else. You didn't have to fucking make any kind of contribution or provide any kind of good or service in the real world that if you could just gamify and win the money game, you know, that is Wall Street. Yes, and, yes. They're not and, producing and, anything. They're just making money off exploiting the system. Yeah, because the system had a, you know certain rules in place right. regard, regarding the money, regarding the value, not creating the value. You know, can I can I win the game of how the value gets managed? Mm -hmm. um, and this is what you know, Bitcoin essentially says: no more, no more people right. that decide. We take this out of the hands of the humans. And we leave it to a protocol that can't be changed. Well, we're let, unreliable. It goes back and, to what we were talking about. People have their shadow and it's always going to be at play. And, and you know, we're going to serve ourselves. We're going to rationalize it. And that's exactly what you see happening. And so, yeah, Bitcoin definitely solves this problem. It's a beautiful thing. Take the money out of the hands of the humans, you know, and let the humans have to adapt to the rules instead of try to, you know, finagle the rules all the time. Is Bitcoin AI? I mean, it's a protocol no, that runs no. itself. It's got it in a way. It has an intelligence. I mean, oh, I absolutely. Mean, it feels like a life form. It feels like a life that's form. That's what but I the mean. Thing, but it's not evolving. That's the right, beautiful thing right. about it. I mean, it, it, it requires such an, an enormous sort of consensus for the whole network to say, "Yeah, yeah, we want the change," mm. and that that's why what makes it so so robust, you know. I see. And that's why that's why it eludes a lot of like you know Silicon Valley types because they think of like. Um, you know, software eating the world, we iterate, 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 you know, we, we, we always change it, we adapt it, we make it better, better, better. It's always evolving. And Bitcoin is the opposite. It's like, we found a way to make this thing very stable, very secure, very simple, the simpler, the better, because, you know, we're trying to store the value of the planet on this thing, and it has to be dependable. It can't, you know, move fast and break. It's fascinating shit. Uh, I feel like I'm ranting now. No, I man, I love, I, I love it. I don't know. I don't know what the audience says. You know, they might be all tuned out by now, but I don't care. I could talk Bitcoin <laughs> all day and I'm learning. No, I'm learning a lot from you. I mean, you really have gone deep and uh, your perspective is fascinating. And it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, we can't overstate how, uh, how impactful this has been for us. Just like learning about it. It changes. It, yeah, it's changed my whole uh the perception of of reality it's expanded my mind in ways i, I don't even yet comprehend and you know what if if you know for for any listeners that are curious or you know or not curious it's like all i would maybe put forward is like just ask the question to yourself you know what is money yeah just ask the question what is money and then if that starts to like ring something in you you know you will start to get drawn to like you know, try to answer that question and it will take you down a rabbit hole, like an incredible rabbit hole, because it's, 
you know, money's gotten a bad rap. Yeah. Because money does not belong in the hands of government. Yes. It does not belong in the hands of, you know, a group of people making decisions for a wide swath of people Mm -hmm. that, you know, and, and that's, you know, part of, you know, one of the memes of Bitcoin is like the separation of money and state. That's right. the same way that there was wow. a separation between religion and state, you know, all, all those years ago, this is the separation of money and state. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a terrifying thing for some people and, and, it, and it's connected to this, you know, our, our, the first part of our conversation, which yes. is, which is that, you know, we come into this world, Dave, and you, you know, this, we come into this world utterly dependent upon our caregivers. Mm-hmm. Right. This is our species. We are utterly dependent upon the people that we are born into the world with. And in some ways, part of our, not in some ways, part of our programming is to be able to adapt and survive these people. Right. Like we learn to adapt to the people so that we can survive. And so it's in our wiring to want to adapt to the authority. You yeah. want to adapt to the person that is above us, that is essential to our survival. Yeah. And so that's in us, you know, like that, that that's wired into us because we've, we've needed it. And then what I believe or have discovered is that as we get older, it's like, that stays with us. You know, we, we, we get shuffled into a school system and there's somebody telling us, you know, and then, and there's, there's always someone telling us something, you know, what or there's always do? a, yeah, there's always a narrative or selling us something or, you know, just across the board. And so at what point do we stop and say, they don't really know. Nobody really knows. I got to figure it out for myself. Yeah. And this, this is something that not a lot of people come to, I don't think, because it's, it's scary. It's scary to, to, to like not take what other people think to be true as true. You know, it's, it's kind of woven into us to like, yeah, someone else knows, you know, from, from the very beginning, someone else knew how to take care of me in whatever fashion. And then at some point I, I hope, and I hope this is the case that's happening more and more people go, no one, no one has a fucking clue what is going on here. No one knows what life's about. I got to figure it out for myself. Yeah. And that, that's kind of scary. It's, it's totally little, scary. It's easier to say, I trust these people, you know, I trust mm-hmm. them. They, they know you know, they're, they're in positions of importance. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I trust them. It's, it, I think that's a little more palatable than, yeah. whoa, whoa, what the fuck is going on here? You know, I think more and more people are waking up to this. I mean, there's a question yesterday. I, I forget who it was, but some spokesman for the White House and the reporter was saying, oh, yeah, uh, that was good. You know, uh, uh, well, because he was saying what Russia was up to, and he's like, "Where's mm-hmm. the proof of this shit?" And the guy was, "Where's your evidence?" Well, I just yeah, told this guy's you. like, "I just told you." And he's just like, "Yeah, why? Why would I believe you?" Like, I mean, you've never heard that question before. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's basically, "You guys have been lying to us about every fucking war since Vietnam and probably World War II as well. Why would I believe anything you say?" And the guy had nothing to say. So more and more people are waking up to this idea that you know uh, our leaders are not to be trusted they're acting in their own self-interest that ultimately we have to take responsibility for ourselves and i think this is i think this is the most sorry jump in but i think this is the no this is the most important thing you know like this is the this is the most important thing and it relates to core and it relates to bitcoin Mm. and you know it relates to this pandemic is that 
um, the importance of people feeling like they can decide for themselves, yeah. you know, that they're going to be the ones responsible. And, and, and when I'm, you know, when I'm responsible and in touch with what's most important to me, that's how I be, that's how I, that's my contribution to the collective, mm. you know, that I like own my shit, own myself, you know, own how I feel about everything. And that's how I can make my contribution, not look outwards and go, well, what, what should I do? What's everyone else doing? You know, does that make sense? Like, like, like to me, the most important thing is that we, we, we find a way to feel self-possessed, that we find a way yes. to feel empowered ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's and feeling uh, the divine inside yourself. And, and that that's true sovereignty, right? That mm-hmm. yeah, to not look for others, uh, to follow yourself, to, to connect to God, to your higher self, whatever you want to call it and bring that out. That that's, I think how you liberate the world. And it is hard to get out of the, the matrix. It's hard to get out of, uh, the paradigms that, uh, that got built into us. Uh, but that's, you know, what's going on right now. More and more people wake up to it. You're he- I, dude, when we started this work, nobody was talking about trauma. Oh, I know. Like, nobody now, now, now everywhere. It's now every it's over. It's over. Yeah. It's overused, now. but yeah. People are talking about it. They're starting to understand that uh, until you uh, resolve your emotional material, you just can't be free. And uh, you know, your all your issues are going to play out. And th- and this is what's happening. Once people uh, break through the their their own personal matrix, the the paradigm that got set for them, the program that that we were all running, um, you you know you know the truth is that that you're free. And that's a very difficult feeling to tolerate. And I know that I also went through a lot of despair uh, in uh, really waking up to the idea that uh, that I was being lied to, um, that uh, the institutions were uh, corrupt. Um, so I understand, and it was painful. It's painful because I believed I was I was like all into Obama, and uh, I bought in fully, and then to come to the realization that the whole thing, I mean, I'm not saying Obama was a charade, but I'm saying that the whole thing is a fucking show. That's, that was Trump's genius. He exposed it for what it was just a fucking show. It's all a fucking show. It's just like the hunger games. We're living inside the hunger games. And that is a painful thing to realize. And I went through a lot of despair, a lot of resentment as well. And, uh, but I've come out the other side and now I'm like, you know, like Diana, we talk about it. It's like, okay. You know, especially because I was annihilated, you know, for voting for Trump and the judgment that I faced and, uh, just, you know, people's attitude toward me. And I, you know, and I, it was hard for me to hold it all. Mm -hmm. Um, but I believed in myself and I believed in what I was seeing. Um, but now it's just, we got to build the new world, man. It's time to build the new world. Like, it's like, you know, I'm not going to worry about people who don't get it or aren't on board. I mean, they are where they are and they're serving the purpose. We're all serving this purpose. I'm not going to judge them. I mean, I do judge them all the time, but you know, when I'm my higher self uh, gets engaged, I don't judge them. And it becomes really simple. Just focus on building the new world, be a part of that, be a part of the creation that's coming. Mm-hmm. Don't try to fix the, the the system that's you know in a way already decided where it's headed and, and right. build a build a parallel system right so this you know the ethos the ethos of Bitcoin and uh, um, 
Yeah. And, and I think part of the reason why I was also drawn to talk to you is that, well, I mean, I've always felt a, a connection to you and, and, and just listening to you lately in the pods and, you know, I'm just in, just in, in admiration of like, you know, you, it's like you're out and you're expressing yourself in a way that's, I think, just powerful and true. And, and, and you've been, and this is something I wanted to ask you about, if we can go there just a little bit before we close or whatever, but yeah, um, just this thing about spirit and how, I think it was in the last pod where you said that you thought, initially you thought it was the sort of psychological, emotional, and now you're, you're, you're all in the, the spirit thing. And um, mm-hmm. I think this is just another place where you and I, not unlike Bitcoin and maybe other things where we, we haven't um, shared with each other mm-hmm. or whatever about, mm-hmm. you know, how profound this is or whatever. Um, and I just love hearing about, you know, your journey and the things you've discovered so far and where you're headed and how you're drawn to this, you know, Sundance and, Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Just can you say a little bit of something about because because what you said earlier really resonated and and, and it's something that I've been exploring and exploring actually um, online too, like with with a couple of conversations about you know divinity, you know, and each each person's experience or lack of experience or longing for this feeling of like the divine, mm-hmm. you know, of a, of a higher thing of truth of love and and how I think it's behind everything we do, whether we're aware of it or not. Um, this longing for that, you know, for yeah. a life, for a life filled with some kind of feeling of like authenticity and fulfillment and truth. Yeah. Once you find God, once you understand it, I mean, and we all understand it in our own way, but once you have that connection, you, you for me, I'll just speak for myself. I, I realize that that's the whole game. I mean, that's all there is. And if you're not connected to something higher than you, if you're not surrendered in some way to the great mystery, you're, you're serving your ego. Mm. And if you're serving your ego, you're going to suffer. It's that simple. And um, everybody conceives God in a different way. I, you know, for, I don't even, I'm still trying to figure it out. I mean, I've been writing this piece, finding God, this blog post that I want to put out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote a version of it uh, six months ago. I sent it to Angela and she was like, it's great up until here. What the fuck? <laughs> and I, I get, there was something I, maybe I, I didn't understand it. I didn't know what I wanted to say. Like it's, it's hard to talk about, Yeah. but I definitely found the connection. Uh, I mean, through ayahuasca, that's that, that put me in touch like that. My first ayahuasca ceremony it was just very clear to me. Everything is one thing. Everything's connected. There is no separation. I felt it in my body. I felt the truth of it. And to me in that moment, that was God. And I felt the benevolence that was there. And it was just absolutely beautiful. So I, you know, when you have that embodied experience, and I know people have it in a lot of different ways and, and, and I've had it in different ways. You can have it fucking playing basketball, man. You can have it in a cornergetic street, that deep, deep feeling of, of flow and, and, and connection to everything. But there was some way, I guess, ayahuasca slows it down and really allows you to contemplate it. And uh, yeah, that woke me up to something. And then, uh, and I kept, uh, you know, sitting with ayahuasca for, you know, it was four years. I went pretty intense into it. And then I got into the Lakota and I didn't really understand that either. And, uh, you know, it was like, you know, cause they have their rituals and their customs, the things they do. It's, it's like a religion, like their spiritual practice, like any other religion they have, 
the things that they do in the sweat lodge is their church really. And, um, and I've only, you know, I'm still, well, really it's on the vision quest where you, uh, where I really found it and both vision quests, I had a, uh, yeah, like a, a spiritual moment, like a, an awakening mm-hmm. in different ways. And, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's hard to describe. And, and, and maybe, you know, that's, that's the genius of the vision quest It's the genius of the Lakota, the simplicity of it. Um, four days, you know, alone in nature, no food or water. What do you, what the fuck do you think is going to happen? It's going to break you down, break down your ego. And when your ego is broken down, new things come in. It's like, that's where God can come in, but the ego defends against that. And, but once you experience it, you just, you just, I just felt this, yeah, deep fucking connection, but also, you know, going back to the beginning of our conversation, it's not all love and light, you know, God is, is holds it all right. Mm -hmm. Including the darkness, including the cruelty. And, um, and you have to come to terms with that, that that's part of yourself. It's part of the world. It's, it's not something that can be uh, transcended or, or, uh, avoided necessarily. It serves a purpose and that there's a beauty in that. And I mean, that, that's where I'm sitting right now. Like there's beauty in every single thing. It's all necessary. It's just yes to everything. It's yes to every single thing. And um, I'm obviously not in that state 24 seven. That's why I go to sweat lodge every Wednesday is a reminder because, you know, it gets hot in there and the drum is beating and the songs are going and it breaks you down and it takes you somewhere outside yourself. It takes you to some other realm of reality and there's information in there and there's reminders about who you actually are. And it's so easy to forget who we are in the material world because we're bombarded by information and images and um, telling us what to be. And uh, it's, it's just a nice place to go uh, lodge and be reminded of that. And it's needed and it's necessary. Uh, that to me, that spiritual connection, it's completely changed my work. I mean, it's not like I'm in my workshops preaching about God, but uh, cause we just, you know, we're just working. I'm yeah. not, I'm not there to philosophize or, or, yeah. uh, uh, you know, demand anyone believe anything, yeah. but God is present in the workshop. It's, you know, it's present in my consciousness and it, and what that allows is a deep sense of trust. You know, it's like, okay, everything that's happening here, I can trust. Like there's goodness in all of it. Even if it goes sideways, even if I fuck up, even if I say something cruel and mm-hmm. wrong that hurts somebody, mm-hmm. it's okay. If we can hold it all and accept it all, it's in the self-judgment. It's in the shame. That's, that's where the bad things happen. And I was just having this conversation with Diane. It's like the main, the main thing God gives me, it just reminds me always of my goodness like that at my core, I am good at my core. I am divine. Mm-hmm. And when I I'm acting out in ways, uh, that, you know, are, are when I'm sinning, let's say, uh, it's a distortion, you know, it's, it's, it's my pain. It's my fear. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not who I am. Right. And I, if I can be humble to that, um, I can, well, I can look at it, but you can't look at it unless you're, you're deeply connected to your goodness. Otherwise you identify with it. Once you identify with the bad things you do, you're fucked. Mm -hmm. Then you identify yourself as bad and then you're in hell. Mm -hmm. So that's what God does for me. It keeps me connected to, to that, that aspect of my divinity. And, uh, it just allows, allows for deeper contemplation. 
It allows for deeper acceptance and it allows um, for unlimitless dreaming of possibility because it's like, you know, it's like the old thing. It's like your mind can conceive this. God can conceive it all. That's fucking true. I mean, let's look at Bitcoin. Look at the conversation we have. It's there's things that are inconceivable. And can you, if you give it to God, it, miracles happen, you know, not in the way that people talk about it, walking on water. It's like, no, they're, it's beyond that. That's just a symbol, right? It's, it's impossible to define the miracles that happen and explain them because it's, it's beyond their comprehension, but their fucking miracles happen all the fucking time. That's how wow. I feel. No, I love that. Um, I could pull on so many threads there, but like this last one of like the miracles happen all the time. Um, of course, there's no evidence for any of this. Right. And no. uh, which is, which is, and there never will be. So, you know, that's just what it is. Um, and um yeah, this is out there, but, you know, I have this sense that, you know, cause they say, you know, if, you know, if you look at physics and in metaphysics and it's like that, that we're, we live in an infinite universe, you know, you've heard this, that there's, a, that there's actually, you know, as best we can evidence showing that like, seems like the, the universe itself is infinite. And so, yeah. you know, if you, if you, if you just think on the reality of that for a moment, you know, it, it takes me to this place of like, that means that everything's happening at all times. Like anything that you could possibly imagine right. is actually happening, mm -hmm. you know, in an infinite universe. Yes. And, and therefore, if, if everything is happening that you could possibly imagine at any time, all the time, then isn't it possible that like, in some ways, maybe we're in some subtle way, just choosing which piece of the infinite universe we want to be in, you know, mm -hmm. for the, for this moment mm -hmm. and then, and then, and the next moment and the next moment, like, you know, that, that's what you made me think of when you said like th that, that miracles are possible, you know, it's like, well, if it's all happening, maybe I'm just learning how to access it. I think so. I think so. I, th I think we can be wizards, you know, masters of reality. I think there are people out there that, that, are in touch with that, that, that kind of know how to shape, really shape their own reality and, and understand that it's all, um, it's all a game in a way. And yeah, as you said, we're choosing and to become conscious of that and separate yourself, you know, like from, from, uh, the stories that the game is, is telling you, right. And get, it's almost like to get into the source code <laughs> of the thing and understand it for what it actually is. Then you see, oh, okay. I can, I can do anything. I can, I can, everything is possible. Mm -hmm. Everything it's, as you said, it's infinite. And, uh, it, that's in also incomprehensible. It's, mm. you know, it's, you can't really comprehend that. And so the game becomes like, how, how big can I dream? How, how, how far can my mind go? And, uh, which is, you know, again, by bringing it back to Bitcoin, that's why it's so beautiful because it's expanded my mind and my consciousness in, in such a huge way. And, uh, you know, it opens up portals into all kinds of other dimensions of reality, whatever you want to call it, um, where new possibilities exist. And that, that goes on and on and on and on forever. And that's God, I think. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I think about, I've been thinking about this a lot lately for some reason, and it's connected to, I don't know, Bitcoin. And I think it's also connected to like how I feel like 
I'm in a transitional place, like some, something's shifting. And so, you know, these kinds of things just sort of happen, you know, and, uh, and it's made me consider like my, my relationship to the divine, you know, like I feel blessed and grateful to have one, you know, and, and then I ask myself like, where, you know, how did it, how did it first happen? Um, what are the, what are the touchstones for me? You know, what might the new touchstones for me be? Um, and, and like similar to yourself, it's like, that is my, you know, it's my, it's like in connection with my loved ones, you know, and my health, it's like, that's my guiding thing. You know, it's my, it's my guiding sense. It's like, and in some ways it's like, I, I'm um, most fulfilled when I feel led, you know, like when I, when I feel guided is when I feel guided, most, yeah. most fulfilled. And, and right. often, often I, not often, maybe all the time, I feel most guided when, um, when I need the guidance, you know, when mm-hmm. I'm, when, when I'm out on a limb, when I'm trying something that feels risky and scary, and I'm, I'm listening to something that's like an instinct, that's like a whisper. That's like, I, I think I got to do this thing. It makes no sense, but I think I got to try this thing that is difficult and I don't feel capable of. And that's generally when I feel guidance. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, and so there's something about that that I feel like it's important, I guess, to share. Well, that's and that's one of the reasons, you know, that that you got to you got to do the emotional work because it helps you discern between what is guidance from God and your your own uh, neuroticism that could be driving you, you know, incentivizing you in some way. So they go hand in hand. I mean, that, I guess that's the lesson for me. The more emotional work that it did, the closer it brought me to God. The more I liberated myself from my trauma the closer it, it brought me to God. It allowed me to connect with God in a deeper way and, and then to really trust it, to really trust it. And, you know, it's tuning into that feeling. It's a feeling. That's within you, you know, yeah. within, within me, you know, the, the clarity within me. And that, that's also what's like, I think, scary, but also amazing is that, and this is my own thing, right? My own experience of this or my own take is that it's not outside of me. Right you know, that it's, it's inside of me. I, I don't have to go out, out of myself to look for it. You know, that it's inside of me waiting, you know, it's there and uh, i got to figure out how to access it. Mm. All right, Mark, let's, uh, let's call Close. it there, man. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's uh, a I, long, good long riff. <clears throat> yeah, no, it was great. It's fantastic. We went all kinds of places and I think it's all, it's all connected. It's a story. There's a little story in there. They're all stories. Yeah, yeah. But thanks uh thanks for coming on. Yeah, no. Thank you.